Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Max Minute, where it's waste not, want not, in Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 67, which begins with the Interceptor coming to a rest at the bottom of the ravine, and it ends with a bad cop raider hunting for Max. We wrapped yesterday with the black-on-black rolling down a hillside into a ravine and finally hitting the bottom of this rocky area off of the road. And we pick up today with pretty much the dust and smoke cloud washing over the car as it comes to a stop. Yeah, we get a real good look at how it landed and its condition, and it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Any sort of situation where you end up on the roof of your car, or rather, your car ends up on its roof, to say <laughs> it a bit more succinctly, is not a good situation. This car was thrashed around so thoroughly that we actually got a film goof out of it. In this first shot of this minute, when you see that car hit the ground and the dust washes over it, at one point you can see that one of the gas caps for the big tanks on the back has popped open because this car was just tumbling across open earth. In universe, if that were to happen, the booby trap would instantly start fusing down you know what i mean Mm-hmm. i'm actually surprised that it didn't happen in universe because that was a very violent tumble mm-hmm. and the fact that none of the gas caps popped off yeah i think that's pretty amazing another thing that i find amazing is that the booby trap itself where it's being taken off by the mechanic put back on by max it doesn't seem to be very heavily bolted in place And so it's very lucky for Max that it didn't get thrown clear by all of the tumbling and all of the rough treatment that the Black on Blacks endured. Very good point. Hadn't thought of that. Mm -hmm. But going back to that film goof, when we eventually see these gas tanks again with the car fully at rest, with the set all arranged, someone from production went back and closed that gas cap. That way there wouldn't be a terrible continuity error. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. There are goofs, and then there are continuity errors. Right. And then there's mechanical failures that just can't be helped. Those little gas caps, you can't look at me and say, oh yeah, those were definitely manufactured with the idea of keeping them closed in the event of a rollover. Right. The production crew can only do so much. (laughs) They are throwing cars across landscapes after all. But yeah, it's a funny thing that people like to point out. It does occur to me... I said a few minutes ago that I'm surprised in-universe that the gas caps didn't pop off with so much tumbling. Then I was thinking about the booby trap and how the booby trap is rigged to the gas cap. So those gas caps have extra goings-on around them. So I imagine in the process of booby trapping those gas caps, they were probably reinforced in some way making it a little bit maybe harder or more difficult, more complex Mm -hmm. to take the cap off rather than the type of cap that we're used to on our gas, which is just a couple of turns. Yeah. 
When the toady goes to open up the gas tanks tomorrow, I don't remember if there's a complicated method that he uses to open them, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. There could be some sort of combination that you have to do to open it up, or maybe it's just they open up that easily all the time, and it just matters if you turn the booby trap off. I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself because that's content for tomorrow's minute. Definitely. <laughs> so the raiders are up at the top of the ridge by the road. And when we first see them, they're kind of backing up, which means that they kept going after Max went off the road. And so instead of turning around and driving back, Wes just threw it in reverse and backed up. But when they arrive on the scene, the toady is the first one to disembark. But it wouldn't be exactly right to say that he jumps down from the truck. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of lets go of the spoiler and allows himself to fall off the truck. It's very low energy. It's not exactly what I would call acrobatic or anything like that. This kind of reinforces my idea that he was sleeping mm -hmm. up on his perch area. So he was woken up by all of this hullabaloo, then was stuck on this car going who knows how fast, but ridiculously fast. And then the nitrous oxide got turned on, and it's going crazy fast. He just barely woke up, and now he's, like, staggering off the back of the truck. <laughs> Probably quite discombobulated. Yeah. I like the idea of him being freshly woken up, but I also feel like that's just his natural clumsiness, his natural physical ineptitude. Yes, the, I agree. <laughs> he's the over-the-top showy waving around sort who thinks that he can do something like catch a bladed boomerang and so him stumbling around a little clumsily i definitely feel like it matches well with the characterization that we've seen of him so far would you call him maybe a little doofy yeah i would call it a little doofy yeah definitely sort of like if disney were to create their version of the road warrior that the toady would be played by goofy Absolutely. That is a phenomenal point. He would absolutely be played by Goofy. In that case, tomorrow when the toady gets blown up, the Disney version would feature Goofy getting blasted off into the horizon doing that type yell. Yes. I realized the other day that it's the Disney version of the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite instances recently of Goofy's yell the goofy scream whatever you want to call it someone made a little comic strip of one of the climactic scenes of star wars the force awakens i forgot the title for a moment there <laughs> but instead of han solo and kylo ren they cast goofy and goofy's son max and max is in the kylo ren character and so they play the scene completely straight up into the point that Goofy gets stabbed and falls off the bridge. And when he falls off the bridge, <laughs> oh, no. they do the Goofy scream. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's all text and picture. So it's not like you get the full audio effect, but just I appreciated it. You know, I can picture it in my head with sound and everything. So I'm good with that. That's amazing. We watched Cabin in the Woods the other day. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, they do the Goofy scream in Cabin in the Woods. Really? I do not have my phone on me. It is dead. I cannot look it up. But when Kurt jumps the ravine on his bike and hits the invisible wall mm -hmm. and falls, they do some sort of silly scream. Really? 
Yes, I'm like 90% sure. Okay, we're going to have to tweet at Heidi and Molly over on the Cabin Minute cast yes. and have them pay special attention to that scene because if there is some sort of goofy scream that happens when Kurt dies, that would make me really happy. Yes. I can't remember if it's exactly the goofy scream or if it's something silly that made me think of the goofy scream. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Unless there's another movie we've watched lately, which I don't think there is. Nothing I can think of. Yeah. All right. Back down in the gully, Max, bloody and disoriented, I would say half falls out of the car window. It reminded me of the saying of Buzz Lightyear. That he's falling with style. Oh, okay. Max is falling <laughs> with direction. Okay. He's allowing himself to fall at the same time aiming for the window. Okay. Yeah, when you said Bud's Lightyear's <laughs> motto thing, I thought to infinity and beyond? What? But his other one, he's falling with style. Okay. Um, he's um, not flying. He's falling with style. Gotcha. And Max is falling with direction. Okay. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. He's joined in that window space by the dog who, inexplicably, is completely untouched. Yes. No limps, no blood anywhere, no whimpering or anything like that. I understand you don't want to hurt your animal actors. That makes sense. And I'm not sure how they necessarily do the movie magic to make dogs pretend like they've got a broken leg or something like that. It's probably something you have to train them to do. Yeah, I would imagine it's training. But Dog comes out of the car completely spotless, like he was sitting in some sort of force bubble that protected him from the 10 or 12 times that car turned end over end before crashing into a gully. Yeah. Honestly, I don't like to talk like this because I know people get real sad, but honestly... I'm surprised the dog survived the crash at all. I know there's something to be said for people going limp during accidents, that that's supposed to help you be less injured or help you survive. I'm not sure that limp or aware and trying to protect yourself would make any kind of difference in this crash. This crash is so extreme that I don't think it makes a difference whether you're just letting yourself be flung around limp. Or whether you're trying to forcefully stay in one place. Yeah. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I'm just surprised that he survived at all. Mm -hmm. This is one of those situations where, in the context of the story, they could have gone a different direction with the dog. Like, tomorrow, we're going to lose dog. We are penultimate episode for dog. Yeah. George Miller goes in one direction with dog. He also had the option of going in another direction where Dog didn't survive this crash. Right. And I think in the grand scheme of the movie, it really wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Mm -hmm. But, and we'll talk about it more tomorrow, letting Dog survive for one more scene gives the opportunity for Dog to stand up and try and protect Max one more time. Right. That's a good point. In my head, I can envision a scene where the car comes to a rest, we cut inside the car and we see max crumpled up pretty much lying on the roof of the car because the whole thing is upside down and i don't think he wears a seatbelt. but him looking around the interior of the car seeing the dog lying there you know balled up in the back seat and him reaching towards the dog and then 
stopping himself before he actually touches dog because he realizes that dog has died in the crash. It's one of those things where you still get the emotional gut punch of the dog has died Mm -hmm. because dogs dying in movies is a sad thing that a lot of people see and they get sad by. There is an entire website built around does the dog die in this movie and you can search by movie title and by year and by whether or not the dog in the movie dies that way when you go to the movie theater or when you rent a movie you know ahead of time okay am i going to get this emotional situation right it's interesting that the psychology of why people are so affected by seeing dogs die in movies do you think that it is a result of a movie like old yeller where a lot of kids saw that movie as a kid and the movie is so sad at the end and it can be traumatic for a child. Hmm. I have a feeling that it's not so much a connection to a cinematic social shared experience. I think it stems more from dogs being a innocent. They are always an innocent victim because dogs are man's best friend. They always want to be accompanying humans and helping them out giving them companionship and so they're always innocent they never have malice when they're killed with the exception of like the zombie dogs in resident evil movies and whatnot yeah but people get the emotional reaction to those deaths because it's an innocent victim a lot of the times the dog is a friend the dog is a beloved character Mm -hmm. and so it's just a real easy way to get an emotional response from your audience without having to kill off a actor you know what i mean very true and let's talk about it more tomorrow yeah because that's when we really get to it right i definitely have more thoughts on it but we'll talk about it tomorrow i like the direction that george miller goes in with this movie but i think the alternative version that i have in my head would give us more of an opportunity to see max up close realize that dog has passed and get some good facial acting out of Mel Gibson. Yes. The sort of, he realizes what has happened and then realizes that he can't stay in there. He has to move because people are coming to kill him. I agree with you, although I think we get some gratification with those sentiments in minute 69. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of days. Yeah. Back up on the ridge. Wes is shouting to the other raiders that he's with, specifically to the toady, yelling, Toady, the gas, hurry up. I love, I love that he kind of picks on Toady. Mm-hmm. I feel like the toady gets picked on a lot. And at least in this situation, it's a little bit justified. A little bit justified. So the bad cop has also armed himself with a crossbow and a jerry can and head down the hill. He did it without being told, at least that we can hear. And he did it quicker and, dare I say, a little more gracefully. Yeah. And then there's the toady who fell out of the truck and is, I don't know what the heck he's doing up there, but he has to be hurried up. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that the toady thinks that just because he hangs around the Lord Humongous all day, that he's not necessarily the same as someone like the bad cop raider, that he might have a little bit of a superiority complex, but Wes lays down the law pretty quickly. From the Toadie's perspective, his boss is the Humongous. Yeah. And then there are managers underneath Humongous, Wes being the manager of 
the Mohawkers and then one of, you know, there's somebody in charge of the bad cops and somebody in charge of the other guys that I can't remember their names at the moment. But the Tony doesn't belong to any of those factions. He belongs to the Humongous. Mm. So if the Humongous is not around, he doesn't have a boss to boss him around. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Exactly. Wes is the type of manager who manages anybody who happens to be around. He outranks everybody except Humongous, and even then he's still going to argue with the Humongous. Just because the Toady is the hype man for the leader doesn't mean that he has captain or lieutenant status. Right. He still defers to the person in the group with the most authority. Mm -hmm. So the Raiders start going down the hill, and we cut back to Max and Dog. The Dog leaves the car. He's out. And Max is left to, it's not exactly crawling, it's sort of using his shoulders in a walking pattern to pull himself out of the car. Yeah, he's using his shoulders and some gravity to slide Mm -hmm. out of the car. It looks incredibly uncomfortable. He looks absolutely horrendous. Oh yeah, he's got a big old gash on his forehead he's got a huge cut on his arm he's got blood coming out of his nose to say nothing of his swollen left eye which is barely opening i think it's the most beat up and damaged that we see max definitely so far and i dare say ever i can't think of another situation where he's this banged up I have a hard time agreeing with you on that assertion that this is the worst we see him. I'm thinking specifically of Mad Max 79, where at the end we see he's been shot in the knee and his arm has been run over. Yeah. It's hard to compare those two sets of injuries. I think being shot in the knee was probably the worst single injury. Mm -hmm. But the sheer number of injuries that he has after this accident are probably worse. Yeah. I mean, going visually. Visually, perhaps. At least so far. Just thinking about other injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, even after he got his knee blown out, he was still able to walk. Yeah. Sort of. And as we see further down this week, he is no longer able to walk. Okay, I might be coming around to this being the worst set of injuries. Back up on the ridge. You see, we're switching back and forth a lot. We've got Wes standing by the truck. He's got... The exhaust pipe in his hand, I guess he's just holding on to it now, but he's got one more piece of instruction for the raiders as they run down the hill. He says, don't waste him. If he's alive, I want him. And he's talking specifically about Max. We've established in the movie at this point that Wes has picked Max out specifically as someone that he wants to deal with. He very clearly said back in the compound, you... You can run, but you can't hide. And so Wes is looking at this situation as, oh, I've got him now. And if my minions here can just get down there and retrieve him, I'll be made in the shade. Because he probably wants to take Max and string him up in front of the compound. Uh, It also occurs to me that he knows that when he gets back to camp, he's in trouble. He stole the boss's car. Yep. So taking Max back as... Perhaps like a peace offering. Or a trophy. (laughs) Yes. To the humongous might be an important step to making amends for stealing his car. Proving that it wasn't just a foolhardy venture. Yes. Showing him, I know I broke the rules, but I succeeded in what I wanted to do. Here, look, I have a prize. Right. This is also, I feel like a common movie trope. 
where the good guy is on the verge of capturing and killing the bad guy. And it's like, no one else can do it, just me. And that opens the good guy, it opens him up an opportunity to escape. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I'm thinking about Harry Potter, because I always think about Harry Potter. Right. That was exactly, like, Voldemort's downfall was that he insisted on killing Harry himself. Other people had an opportunity to kill him, like, all the time. But no, their instructions were, nope, don't do it. That's for the Dark Lord to take care of. Potter is his. And Voldemort ended up losing because of that instruction. Yeah, because of his stubbornness. But in this instance, that's not why Max survives. Mm -hmm. By the time the bad cop gets down there, Max is gone. Yeah, I think it's important to note here that the Toadie and the bad cop are given very specific instructions not to kill Max. Because that's going to come into play tomorrow mm -hmm. in that minute. So I wanted to point it out. Rule number one, get the gas. Rule number two, don't kill Max. And off they go running down the hill. And I think the bad cop is handling the traversal better than the toady. But looking at this scene, I don't think either of them are doing it gracefully. And it makes me wonder if it is possible for someone to run down a hill and not just look goofy doing it. I think those people are called skiers. I think that's the graceful way to go down a hill. Skiing is not running. Skiing is sliding. It's not the same. Right. I'm saying there is no way. The only way to do it is to ski. Okay. <laughs> I mentioned running downhill and then you mentioned skiing. And I'm like, wait a second, you're changing the rules. No. Oh, like I'm... you don't change the rules all the time. <laughs> no, I I can't help but watch them and be like, that. that looks so, so silly. Well, going downhill uses a set of muscles that we just don't use most of the time. Mm -hmm. It's completely different than going uphill. Yeah. Like what I like is that from this view, you get a really good sense of how high and how steep that hill is. Yeah. That Max just flipped down. And how far the car went. Yes. It takes them a while to go down there. And mm -hmm. I guess I don't really blame Wes for not wanting to go down there. Because you know what? They're going to have to climb back up. Or not, because they don't have to climb back up. <laughs> but, you know, under normal circumstances, they're going to have to climb back up that hill. Carrying all of that gasoline. Oh, wow. And, you know, we know that there's way more gasoline in those tanks than the two jerry cans are going to be able to carry. Yeah. Which means they're going to have to go back down there. Mm -hmm. If they want it all, which they do, they're going to have to go back down there for another trip. I mentioned before that the bad cop is handling the incline better, because when we see him get to the black on black... He slows down, puts his jerry can on the ground, and then with his crossbow goes to inspect inside the car. Because I'm sure he's expecting to find Max and the dog and whoever else they knew was in there. What he finds is an empty car, and so he looks to the side and then starts hunting for them. And as the bad cop gets out of frame, in barrels the toady, and he just smashes headlong into the side of the car. Yeah, the toady was completely out of control. The bad cop, you mock how they go down the hill, but first of all, like you could do it any more graceful. Second of all, he stops well in front of the car. Yep. And is able to stay in control of his body, which is particularly good because he is carrying a weapon. Thank goodness the toady's not carrying a weapon. <laughs> And then the toady, yeah, he just bumbles into view and smacks into the car. Mm -hmm. The toady is good at a couple of things. He's not useless. He's good at a couple of things. He's good at hyping up the Lord Humongous. And he's good for us as minor comedic relief. 
This is a very heavy scene. Yeah. And in the middle of it, we get a few moments of the toady just being an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. I have a question. What do you think? So the bad cop, I don't really care about the toady, so I'm just going to talk about the bad cop. The bad cop is coming down the hill. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Max is getting out of the car and crawling. Yeah. Over a decent distance away behind a rock. Right. How did the bad cop not see him do it? That's the million dollar question. There is a little bit of brush around, but But, not nearly enough. Yeah, there's nowhere near enough cover that Max would be able to slough himself out of that car, around the back of the interceptor, across some open space and behind that rock without the toady and the bad cop being able to see him. Yeah. So, easy fix. Make him come out the driver's side window. It's on the opposite side of the car. They wouldn't be able to see him crawling away. And it fixes that little movie question Mm -hmm. thing. I'm glad you saw that. Because I saw him fall out of that window. And I didn't really think much of it. And yeah, now that I think of it, that is his passenger side window. So why would he fall out of that one unless... The car tumbling around threw him over to that side. But even so, if he's sitting in the driver's side with the wheel to the car in front of him and he's getting thrashed around, yeah, he should have crawled out the other side. And then he'd have the car as cover as he crawls behind the rock. Playing devil's advocate to my own idea. (laughs) The passenger seat has been removed, right? Right. Okay, so no passenger seat and no steering wheel on that side In a crunched up car like that, there's going to be way more room on the passenger side. Maybe if he had stayed put on the driver's side, probably would have been crushed to death. At the very least, his legs would have been crushed under the steering column. But since he doesn't wear a seatbelt and during the flipping moved over to the passenger side, maybe that saved his life. Maybe. So maybe he had no choice but to go out that passenger window. And also at that point in that mental state, He knew he had to get out of the car, but beyond that, how much mental capacity do you really have right now? He seems pretty banged up. And we see tomorrow that he can't even hold up his gun. So we'll just say that he was able to go from the car over to this rock that he's hiding behind Mm -hmm. because bad cop wasn't paying attention or something like that. He was going down that hill that was very steep and, you know, he's trying to stay in control. Mm -hmm. So he was busy. I don't know. (laughs) So Toady moves to the back of the black on black and he's looking at the tanks, giving them taps and whatnot. And we go to the bad cop who is walking away from the car. He's got his crossbow at the ready. And then we change to what I interpret as a POV shot of him walking up to this rock and you can see Max's leg just sticking out from behind it. And you got to give Max credit. He moved pretty far. We're not quite sure how he did it, as we just said. But if he had just been able to swing his leg a little bit further over in the right direction, he might have been able to get the drop on the bad cop. Okay, no. (laughs) Max was not ever going to get the drop on anybody. Max was lucky to be alive. Yeah. Dog could have gotten the drop on bad cop. But bad cop knew that Max couldn't be far. So if he wasn't in the first direction that bad cop went and bad cop spied him behind the rock... He was just going to circle around mm-hmm. and find him anyways. Plus, he could probably see a trail in the dirt probably. of Max dragging himself. Probably. Yeah. 
one advantage if he hadn't seen Max so quickly is that Dog could have attacked Mm -hmm. from behind or by surprise, something like that. Yeah. This is where we wrap for minute 67. So we will come back tomorrow. We're going to catch up with Max behind the rock. We're going to see how the bad cop decides to handle this situation with Max in the debilitated situation he's in. And we lose a couple of major characters that have been with us this entire movie. So that'll be a little sad, but we still hope you'll come back. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 67 of The Road Warrior. We'll see you tomorrow.